I'm Eduardo Medina, Editor-in-Chief of the Auburn Plainsman. Today, I'm speaking with Managing Editor Jack West about his story on Harold Franklin, Auburn's first black student. Franklin recently defended his thesis 51 years after his original attempt. Jack will tell us the significance of this moment and why it had to happen in the first place. That's all coming up. We'll be right back with Jack West. Hey, this is Jack West, Managing Editor of the Auburn Plainsman. I just want to remind everyone that if you'd like to support Suite 1111 and the newsroom that creates it, you can log on to theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 125 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here in Auburn. Once again, that's theplainsman.com and click on the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. Jack West. Yeah. Hello. It's nice to be here. Good to have you. Okay, you want to talk about this? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Your story this week on the front page is about Harold Franklin. Yes. But it's not really necessarily about Harold Franklin and who he is and his significance to Auburn. It's specifically about him defending his thesis Mm -hmm. to earn his master's from Auburn, right? How did you come to this story in the first place? I'm a history major, Mm -hmm. and I was in a history class on Wednesday. My professor basically talked about where she'd been and about this historic moment that had happened. As a journalist, I was like very confused because something (laughs) happened in the university that I wasn't very aware of. Something happened in an apartment specifically that I wasn't aware of. But she told us that Harold Franklin, who was the first black student to enroll at Auburn, he enrolled as a graduate student, um, but he was coming back and he defended his thesis uh, that day, which was 51 years after he'd first tried to. Mm. And so... After that class, I I rushed over to Thatch Hall, uh, where the history department is, and he was sitting there. Uh, They had a little, like, reception like they normally do, Mm. and I ran up and and interviewed him and a few of the other professors that were on the committee. It was was a really cool experience to get to do that and just kind of hop into it. Why did he have to defend his thesis 51 years after he was initially at Auburn? Basically, he, he enrolled as a graduate history student and then went through all of the work to do a master's thesis, did all the classes, did all the research. And this is like 1960. Yeah, he, he well, he enrolled in 1964. Okay. Um, and then by 1969, he was ready to defend his thesis. But every time he would present it to his advisors, they would tell him, oh, go back. It's not perfect yet. Go back, mm. fix this thing, add more research. And eventually he figured out they they were never going to give him his thesis. He, well, when would it ever be perfect? <laughs> right. When is anything um, ever perfect? He mentioned the other people who were getting their theses accepted at that time, theirs were not perfect at all. Mm. Um, but they said since he was the first uh, African-American student, his had to be perfect. While you can see that there's uh, some kind of some justification there. It's mm-hmm. not any realistic kind of justification. Right. It was a bunch of professors who didn't want to give a, a black student uh, a master's degree. So when he was defending this, did he at least have the freedom to choose what he wanted to defend like most other no. uh, students or, or what, what? No, no, he wasn't even given that. He originally wanted to write about the civil rights struggle, which at the time was, I mean, the defining news event. And they told him that that was going to be too controversial. Mm. So instead, he wrote about the history of what is now Alabama State University was then Alabama State College. Um, But that was the school. That was his alma mater as well. Mm. So, yeah, he was basically forced to write about um, Mm. what he described as an African-American topic. 
And you spoke to Franklin. Mm-hmm. What did he say when he was looking back on this? What did he tell you? I think my favorite quote from him, he, he was kind of ambivalent about it all and just said, well, you know, at least I could desegregate the university and get that out of the way. I think he he was happy that he got to come back and do this. I th- I think he's kind of over the fact that it was denied him in the first place. Mm. But he seemed he seemed grateful. He seemed I mean, he's he's a old southern man. He he's a professor. He's he's he doesn't need this. <laughs> no, he doesn't need this. He's achieved many things. Right. He's... But at the same time, he earned it. I mean, there was a hint of of being proud. Um there's also kind of a, you know, finally, right. I guess attitude. I wonder if we can touch back a bit on um, his time while he was at Auburn mm-hmm. back in the 60s. You do a really good job of, you know, focusing on the fact that, you know, Franklin is was here to get his thesis. Mm-hmm. But your story does a good job, I think, of also getting into what Franklin's experience was like here. And you kind of outline his first day. You outline the president's uh, role in this. Can you talk about that for a minute and things that stick out when you were doing that research? Yeah. So Harold Franklin wasn't even admitted to Auburn on his first attempt. Um, he was denied entry twice on different grounds, both of which were racially motivated, and essentially had to sue the university along with Fred Gray, who was a prominent civil rights lawyer. They sued the university and eventually... President Ralph Brown Drawn, mm. um, who was the president at the time, was forced to accept his uh, application. Keyword forced. When Franklin comes to enroll in classes mm-hmm. early in uh, 1964, the, the president made all returning students sign waivers saying they weren't going to bring firearms to school, oh, wow. saying they weren't going to congregate in large groups. Drawn basically had to suspend constitutional rights on campus to make sure that this integration went smoothly. Franklin's experience in college was certainly out of the ordinary because of that. Mm. Uh, he lived, they they cleared out an entire wing of a dorm mm. for him, um, which he says he didn't mind because he likes the quiet. <laughs> but he had to be escorted onto campus by uh, originally FBI agents and then Governor Wallace basically threatened to arrest the FBI agents. Oh, wow. Before Franklin even stepped on campus, he went to a church where FBI agents searched his bag so that in case uh, someone tried to plant a gun on him, like had been done to the first student to integrate Ole Miss, Hmm. the FBI agents could testify that it was in fact planted because it wasn't there originally. So That's fascinating. Yeah, just a, a whole day of intentionally difficult procedure and, you know, overt racist behavior, which then culminated in, you know, four years, five years of Franklin being judged, being treated differently, mm-hmm. and eventually not being able to resolve his time at Auburn uh, until 51 years later. Right. And when, like you said, I mean, when you talked to him, he... The quote that stuck out, you said, was uh, he said, I, I, de- I desegregated Auburn. I got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. I mean, clearly he is not looking back at this time, you mm-hmm. know, reflecting on it fondly at all. He, it had to be done. Yeah. It, that, that's very much the attitude that you get from him is that he came to Auburn. He didn't originally even want to come to Auburn. He was convinced that, that this was a good thing to do. And that's kind of the the sense you get from him is that he he had a job to do. He did his job, very much a thankless job at the time, mm-hmm. but he did it and he did it pretty well. Well, I actually didn't know that. So he he didn't want to come to Auburn. He, he saw this as a... Yeah, he originally wanted to go to law school uh, because uh, Thurgood Marshall was his 
was kind of his idol, he said. Um, but he was convinced to go to Auburn uh, to do a, a history degree first. Um, and that kind of led to this whole, this whole process. When you spoke to other history professors there, what did they say? I mean, why was this happening now? A lot of the history professors were there to watch him defend his thesis. And it was mostly him talking about his experiences. Right. Um, but all of them said this had to happen because it was a mistake that the history department had made. Mm. And all of them were very clear in saying they're not trying to erase what happened. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to like write some wrong or, or mm. show that they've changed. But they're trying to show that, you know, they, they made a mistake and they're trying, I think, in a way to apologize. And, and as, as history professors, they're very aware of, their, of the context they exist in. And they know that they're not, like, making things right. Mm. But they are, in a sense, writing one specific wrong right. that happened 50 years ago. So, Jack, let's stick with the history department for a second. Okay. I... Absolutely love the history classes I've taken here. Mm-hmm. I love the history department. Yeah. Um, but can you talk about the problems that exist within this department that, by the way, are not exclusive to this department by no means right. at Auburn. But since we are talking about them right now, mm-hmm. what are some of the struggles they have right now? Yeah. So like the whole university, um, the history department struggles with diversity. Currently only has one African-American professor who I, I, I talked to and and he kind of reiterated that this was something that he noticed and that it was definitely not a coincidence mm. given the history of this university. Mm. Um, and this story, again, takes place within the context of declining rates of student enrollment, uh, students of color right. who, who are enrolling. Um, last year, fewer than 200 uh, African-American students enrolled for the first time at Auburn. Mm. Um, and that, that number is incredibly low in comparison to all other students. And right. it, it's one of those things where, yes, the history department struggles with diversity. If you sit in a history class, as we both have, right. um, there's not a lot of people of color in them. No, absolutely not. No. And it's, well, it's certainly not, you know, you can't blame the history department. Right. Um, it's something that the university, I think as a whole, is struggling with. Yeah. Well, and I've heard this offhand from other people around the school who say it's we talk about how hard it is to recruit Mm -hmm. here and really it sounds like your story i mean your story gets to the the starting off point of that the jumping point from that Mm -hmm. which was when harold franklin came when the first black student came the first person of color to ever come to auburn how hostile that was Mm -hmm. how the fbi had to check his backpack to make sure no one implanted a gun Mm -hmm. it's just you see how hard it was and of course it would it it was right it's Mm -hmm. no surprise that it was. Yeah. But at that legacy seems to have carried over 51 years to now. Yeah. It's sad that we live in a state where this kind of behavior, this kind of legacy continues to exist. You know, it's funny because in 2015, the university put up a plaque outside of the library, which mm-hmm. by the way, now bears the name of the president of the university who originally denied Harold Franklin hmm. enrollment. Yeah. When I read that line in your story, it was so powerful because it's just a fact. It, you know, it, it's just a fact. It's every time you walk into that library, you see his name. Right. Um, and I can only speak as a history major, um, as a white history major. But I, I mean, I'm reminded of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I can't imagine what it's like for others. But they, the university put up a plaque outside of the library talking about desegregation at Auburn. Um, and it's a, it's a 
nice historical marker, but it has a line on it that says, on that day, the day that Harold Franklin successfully registered for classes, uh, a century of segregation at the university essentially ended. Mm. And in a way, that's true. Mm-hmm. After after Franklin enrolled, uh, multiple black students enrolled and, and the numbers uh, kept going up from absolute zero. Right. But at the same time, that sentence glosses over a lot of nuance and a lot of complexity that comes with being a person of color at Auburn. And while historical markers are great, they need to be correct. Right. I loved your story. I thought it was so relentless in its uh, narrative. Thank you. And just the reporting you did on the historical side of it. I love that kind of journalism. Uh, I, th- I just thought it was, it was amazing. I loved it. Thank you very much. Jack, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. My thanks to Jack West for being with us today. You can find his front page story in our print edition around Auburn and online at theplainsman.com. Sweet 1111 is part of the Plainsman Podcast Network and a co-production with Weagle Radio. Special thanks to Weagle News Director Grayson Moyer for producing and editing this episode. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it and let us know how we're doing by giving us a quick review. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. <laughs>